0: 6th chapter of the Gospel of John. The day before this occurred, Christ fed the 5,000 men plus women and children with five loaves of bread and two fish. The Lord did a miracle of multiplication, fed over 10,000 people, I'm sure, and everybody ate to the full, so it wasn't a snack that he provided, and there were 12 baskets of stuff that the boy who gave his lunch to got to take home with him. So the next day, guess what? They were hungry again. And the crowd he fed went and found him. And he knew why they were following him. And he's not going to do it again. He's going to declare himself to be the one to hunger after You hunger after him, you'll never hunger again. You hunger after him, he'll satisfy you for eternity because he is our life. And verse 51, he says, I am the living bread that came down from heaven. I'm reading from the New Living Translation. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Anyone who eats this bread, talking about himself, I am this bread, will live forever And this bread, which I will offer so the world may live, is my flesh. So he offered himself for the sins of the world on the cross. Verse 52. Then the people began arguing with each other about what he meant. How can this man give us his flesh to eat? They asked. You know, um, what in the world is he talking about? Yesterday he did something with bread and fish. This is... He's getting kind of weird on us. Verse 53, so Jesus said again, I tell you the truth. Unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you cannot have eternal life within you. But anyone who eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise that person at the last day. For my flesh is true food, and my blood is true drink. Verse 56, anyone who eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me and I in him. The King James Version says, whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me. So he's talking about a relationship with himself that is so intimate and real that it's as though he becomes our meal and he does become our meal. Spiritually giving us the nutrients we need for eternal life. He did that on the cross. Verse 57, I live because of the living Father who sent me in the same way. Anyone who feeds on me will live because of me. So his life came from the Father and our life comes from him. It's the same way, allowing us to receive eternal life it's not that he ate the flesh and drank the blood of the father the father's a spirit. the spirit spirit does not have flesh and blood the father is omnipresent um, that the father gives life this is what he's saying receive life from me because i'm going to give you my life through my broken body and shed blood verse 58 i am the true bread that came down from heaven Anyone who eats this bread will not die as your ancestors did, even though they ate the manna, but will live forever. Now, if they compared him to Moses, they could say, yeah, you fed 5,000 men plus women and children, but Moses fed millions. Yeah, you fed us to the full one day. Hey, but here's today, Moses fed people for 40 years. Bear in mind, it wasn't Moses that did that. It was God that did that. And it was bread that came from heaven. It wasn't the multiplying of somebody's lunch. It was uh, even a greater miracle in a sense. But what the Lord is doing is pointing to himself. He is the manna. He came from heaven. And if we will consume him or receive him as our very own food and drink, we will have eternal life and live forever can we pray Lord we just ask for you to speak to us today from your word in a way that our lives are not the same in Jesus name amen we want to be made more like Jesus and when that happens we are not the same we're going to speak to you today on the question can I know God personally can well, it's like we always say, like my relationship with God, is, uh, it's not private, but it is certainly personal. I don't see him as being human, so you can't have a human relationship with him. There are people who believe that, that uh, uh, what shirt I put on this morning, that, that God cared what shirt I put on. That's nonsense. I do think God is so big and so vast that um, we'll never get to know him exhaustively. I felt like I heard a voice from heaven speak to my situation and tell me that everything was going to be okay. And I've lived a blessed life since then, since turning my life to God. You have to experience it for yourself. I think it's, it's something hard to describe unless you're actually willing to go there. Today is week number seven of our series of Explore God, uh, 400 and some other churches in the Metroplex area are going through the series together with us during the week and on Sunday mornings. We've looked at the question, does life have a purpose? Second question, is there a God? Then why does God allow pain and suffering? Is Christianity too narrow? Is Jesus really God? Last week I think was my favorite thus far. Is the Bible reliable? If you weren't here, please check it out online. I think there will be some information there that will encourage you in your faith. And if you do have questions about the Bible, by all means, begin to seek. Don't just rest on the opinions of the person who speaks the loudest. But in reality, there is good information to strengthen our faith. Today we're going to look at the question, can I know God personally? In nature, we understand God as Creator. Romans 1, verse 20 begins with the words, For since the creation of the world, His, meaning God's, invisible attributes are clearly seen. The evidence of a builder is the building. The evidence of um, design is a designer. The clothes you wear were drawn on paper somewhere by somebody before they were made. They didn't just freehand it. When I was a boy, I had G.I. Joe, and I decided G.I. Joe needed some new clothes. So I laid him down on some fabric and cut the fabric out and then attempted to sew it. It was just a mess. It looked like Rambo after one of his big battles. It was evidence from that creation that there wasn't a designer involved. God's attributes are clearly seen in the beauty of the world, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead. We could go on for years exploring all the incredible design of the human body or the universe or this planet or our solar system. But Christianity goes beyond just the fact there is a God. If we stop there, we could be deists. You know, God's the watchmaker that wound the watch up, and now everything's running on its own. But we believe that we can know him personally. So from that statement, we segue into this one. In prophecy, prophecy in the Scripture, we see that we each can know him relationally. Look at this promise, Jeremiah 31, 34. No more shall every man teach his brother, and every man every man his neighbor, and every man his brother, saying, Know the Lord. For they shall all know me, from the least of them to the greatest of them, says the Lord. So knowing God isn't just the privilege of some holy man or some guru or a monk or or a nun, but knowing God is available to everyone. Uh, Jeremiah goes on to say in chapter 9, Earlier in his his book, he said, Let not the wise man glory in his wisdom, let not the mighty man glory in his might, nor let the rich man glory in his riches, but let him who glories glory in this, that he understands and knows me, that I am the Lord exercising loving kindness, judgment, and righteousness in the earth. For in these I delight. The fact that we're all here, no doubt, is proof of this prophecy's fulfillment, that God has put it in our heart, a desire to know Him. In prayer, we can know God individually. Even in the Old Testament, there was this promise, Psalm 145, 18. The Lord is near to all who call upon Him, to all who call upon Him in truth. James 4, 8 echoes this truth, which says, draw near to God, and He will draw near To you. The Christian faith is unique of all religions in the world in that we aren't just God's slaves or just God's creatures, but we can be in relationship with God to the point of children that have Him as their father and friends that have Him as their friend. I'm getting ahead of myself. In community, we can know Him corporately. Jesus said in Matthew 18, 20, where two or three are gathered together in my name, I am there in the midst of them. So we believe that by his spirit, when we gather together like this morning, he is here with us. In Christ, because of what he did for us on the cross, we can know God personally. There's a barrier that separates us from one another called sin that separates us from God, sin. Christ came, filled the gap, hung between heaven and earth, and died for sin, being sin-free himself. And God accepted his death as the sacrifice to atone for or redeem mankind from all sin. This is the great conversion. This is the great turnaround because the crucifixion of God's Son was the ultimate sin. The worst sin that's ever been committed was that one. Let's bring it home. Who has children? If you love them, keep your hand up. Somebody slaps you around. That's highly offensive, right? But someone slaps your child around. That's a pain. I don't have words for The planet should have melted on crucifixion day. But God chose, because he loves all of us, to accept that sin that was committed to pay for all sin to break the sin chain, as it were, and provide redemption for all mankind. Colossians 1.19 says, For it pleased the Father that in him, in Christ, all the fullness should dwell, so God was manifested in Christ, and by him to reconcile, reconcile is to restore a relationship, all things to himself by him. So that's all of us. Whether things on earth were on earth, or things in heaven, having made peace through the blood of his cross. This is something Christ did for us, God's prized creation. Created a little lower than the angels. who have been highly honored by him. So that we can be reconciled with God, have a personal relationship with our heavenly Father. First John 5.20 says it like this, We know that the Son of God has come, And has given us an understanding that we may know Him who is true. And we are in Him who is true, in His Son, Jesus Christ. This is the true God and eternal life. Before going to the cross in John 17, during His prayer, while praying for us, those who believe in him, and those who would believe in him through the word of those who believed in him. That's us. We believe in him through the words of those who believed in him, you know, X amount of generations back. So he was praying for us. And in the midst of that prayer, he said, this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God. So he did what he did so that we could have a relationship with God. Do I believe in wife? I mean, yeah. I mean, yeah. I, who doesn't? I believe in wife. So, do you think you live your life any differently because you believe in wife? I mean, I mean, yeah. I, 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 I put the toilet seat down. If that counts. Do you ever talk to wife? No, man. Uh, I'm not. I you know. I don't really talk to wife. I'm not. I'm not one of those wife nuts. Oh, yes. I believe in Mom. What do you think Mom is like? I think she's big and powerful, and she wants me to be happy. What makes you happy? Being comfortable and doing my own thing and not being bothered by my sister. Anything else? Um, getting lots of toys. Does mom ever ask you to do anything? If she did, that wouldn't make me very happy. Sounds like mom is pretty easygoing. Oh yes, she's very nice. I think she's smiling on me right now. Yeah, I believe in boss. I mean, my views probably aren't orthodox, but sure. Yeah, I believe in boss. Can you describe some of your views of boss? Well, I think boss is really whatever we make him or her out to be. I mean, each person decides what kind of boss they want to believe in. And I don't think anybody should try to impose their views or act like their boss is the true boss. I mean, that's just intolerant so you don't think it matters whether you're right about boss or not? Well, I don't really use words like right or wrong. I mean, I think it's all relative. You may see one thing about boss and I see another thing about him or her. Maybe you think that boss says things like, get back to work and be on time and that's fine, whatever, I'm okay with that. But don't act like I have to believe in that kind of boss. James, the brother of Jesus, wrote, "You believe in God, you do well; the devils also believe and tremble." It's not about believing that he exists; it's about a relationship with him, it's about drawing near to him. Look at some of the names of Jesus, some of the things that he is, and consider them in light of a personal relationship. Does it convey this to you, everlasting Father? Isaiah 9:6. Prince of Peace, that's all about relationship, right? Wonderful Counselor. You can go to Him for hours and He doesn't charge you a dime. Builder of His church. Head of His body. And we're parts of His body, aren't we? The Great High Priest that we can run to in time of need to find help. When we need it. He's the friend of sinners. He's our elder brother. He's the firstborn of many brothers. Of many sons. He's a Holy Spirit baptizer. And our sanctifier. He's the author and finisher of our faith. This isn't done apart from us. This is done with us. And for us. And through us. And because of us, this, is, this just screams relationship to me. Personal. The Savior of the world, 1 John 4.14. And then look at some of his I am statements. He made many. I am the light of the world. How many got here safely because the sun was up? the Sun, we all have a relationship with the Sun. you know you got to watch it when you sunbathe or whatever you don't want to get cancer, things like that. Well we have a God who radiates love for us to receive benefit from that. I am he when, when spoken to about the Messiah, about the woman at the well, he said, I am he, the Messiah the Savior. I am the way. What does that imply? We're to walk in the way. I am the truth. We're to believe in the truth. I am the life. We're to live in the life. I am the resurrection. Through a relationship with me, you have eternal life. I am the door. Come through me. I am the good shepherd. Be my sheep. I am the true vine. And you are the branches. And every branch that abides in me Relationship with me will bear fruit. I am the bread of life. Partake of me. And look at his invitational commands repent. What does that mean? Turn around from your sinful ways. Follow me. Believe in me. Become as a child. Let me be your God. Come unto me and rest. Find rest for your weary souls. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. Drink from me, the water of life. Receive. Remember, you breathed on him. Receive the Holy Spirit. This isn't just an experience. This is a relationship we're being invited to open ourselves up to. Open your door. Let me come in. Let me dine with you. In a minute, we're going to take communion together. And I just want to do it in light of this promise he made in Revelation 3.20. Jesus said, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. This was written to a church. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door... I will come into him and dine with him and he with me. This is relationship. So him knocking at your door in this culture means literally to knock. But in other cultures, when people come to your door, they say knock, knock. We experience that in West Africa. Someone come to your door and go, Bok, bok, bok. You hear the voice, and you open the door. I don't know if it was because in the mud hut days, they didn't have doors on their houses, or if they did, it was fabric or animal skin hanging over the door, and knocking on that doesn't do anything. Point is, the Lord is knocking at our door. His voice is speaking to us. if We will quiet our spirits and make time. Relationship with God is spelled in four letters, time, giving him time. And so today I want to give him some time here at the end of service by partaking of communion together.